Thanks for joining. My name is Kevin Joseph O'Connor. This is the Spirit of Play Conversations on Creativity podcast. And this is the first episode. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Um, this is really an avenue to explore conversations that I've had. And it was inspired by conversations that I've had with, with friends, with musicians, with other artists, and how energized I felt being a part of that community and how much I want to share that with other people, inspire other people to maybe think about creativity as a part of their daily life and also hear the stories of people who are creatives who have spent years of their life investing in different avenues of creativity. Today's guest on this first episode is my good friend Joel Parks. He's a bassist here in Nashville. Um, plays in the band Nightingale um, and has also been a part of the the project Behold the Brave from Chattanooga and played with Jax Anderson, otherwise known as Flint Eastwood, um, and also played with As Cities Burn. Um, good friend, very funny, and I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Since this was recorded at my house, you have the pleasure of hearing my dog Zula who adores Joel, chime in throughout the podcast. So um, imagine a 100-pound blonde Pyrenees mix sitting next to Joel and just wishing that she could be part of the conversation and also probably on his lap at the same time. Uh, definitely more cartoon than dog. So anyways, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Um, I'm probably going to end up putting these out mm, roughly once a month. This is still going to be a project I want to have going on in the background while I'm trying to pursue uh, studio time for painting. If you want to find out more about the podcast and follow along, go to kevinjoseph.art. That's K-E-V-A-N-J-O-S-E-P-H dot A-R-T. Uh, Instagram, it's K-E-V-A-N underscore J-O-S-E-P-H, Kevin underscore Joseph. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the conversation.
She needs like an observation room with glass in between where she can just sit there and just like yell at me while I'm talking. <laughs> just pause on the window the entire time. I am interested to see where this goes because this is something I haven't done before. This is, I'm not super comfortable with putting myself out there and, and you know, especially as a, as a human being and a creative, just being seen and being heard and, um, I think talking with friends who are also trying to pursue things that lets like their inner life out a bit. Mm-hmm. It's easy to just figure out how to make ends meet with whatever like system of web of employment or system of like this is the structure of what my life should be like, but right. also realizing how dynamic and worth sharing and connecting our inner lives are. Um, specifically as a musician, yeah, as a visual artist, and trying to continue to realize that um, no one is an island. We're all part of this creative community. The point of creating art can be for ourselves, but it can also be to share and find bridges for each other. I think. Like when you, when you hear a great song, you want to share it with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then when you write a great song that you feel represents something really true that vibrates on a deep level within you, I imagine that you would want to share that with someone else and see, does this meet you in a similar place? Mm -hmm. Um, so there's no real format to this. We're just going to chat and, and see where it goes, but (laughs) Um, as a friend, I have looked up to you in so many ways as a, as a creative who is pursuing the passions that drive them. You've played music in front of people as long as I've known you, but also like, I, I assume like high school you were playing out for sure. Yeah. That's where it starts. Yeah. For so many of those people, like what are the things that, that, make you want to explore in an interesting creative way as a young person it like of course high school mm-hmm. comes to mind um but i was also just thinking today about how there are so many projects that you have been involved in in some to some degree that like independent of knowing you and loving the people in the projects i just connect so deeply with those different projects, whether it's been Behold the Brave in college or whether it's been the Nightingale stuff with Alicia and Chase or even playing with ACB guys. Mm -hmm. Like there's been so many things and playing with Jax, like Mm -hmm. so much collaboration, so much diverse investment into how, how much can we leverage music as a voice? Yeah. That's a really big thing of, of everything that you've done. Um, so you said high school, right? Chattanooga. Yep. What kind of music were you playing when you first started? Like, what were you doing when you were first discovering instruments? Cause oh, you're man. your dad's musical. Yeah. Well, my whole family is going back to, uh, my dad's dad, everybody, every dude on uh, my dad's side of the family has played piano their, their whole lives. Uh, some of the girls too, but every dude is, it's usually been a tradition that they've had to at least try it for a while. Wow. Um, 
But yeah, so I, I started playing drums when I was six at wow. church. Uh, in front of people. In front of, yeah, That's in front hilarious. of people, hilariously. It was, it was a smaller church, but my dad was the, the music minister and uh, started out on like congas. It's like, okay, we'll start there and see how your rhythm is. Okay, you've got some rhythm. Okay, uh-huh. cool. And uh, my, my cousin, who's one of the dudes that I look up to, um, play drums. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal drummer. Is he the one in Kansas now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. talked about him before. Uh, played for Yesayer was his last gig before he had a kid. Incredible and, band. Yeah, uh, but my parents bought his first drum set. From no him, way. Uh, for me for Christmas one year when I was I was I was pretty young. We were still living in Augusta, but um, yeah, so I started playing drums. Um, loved that. It's just the, that was, that's kind of the, the funny like tell for me, like going back to what I like about music now, it's the rhythm and the, the pocket mm. and the feeling. Um, mm. and that was the first thing that I connected with as a kid, which is funny. I mean, kids like to sing, I like to sing and I liked to make notes on the piano, bang notes and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, it was definitely drums. I always, I never like formally like took piano lessons. Okay. Um, my dad showed me like basics, like here's your scale, you know, C through C. These are all the notes. Here's how you make a shape. Um, but I never really learned how to read music. Hmm. Uh, so I would always just listen to him play. And then I would pay attention to the notes that he was hitting and I would pick it out by ear. And that's how I, how I really learned um, hmm. but so yeah, I was, I always kind of had that going piano. Just always feel like I'm always learning piano, even now, it's always, always learning. Uh, but then guitar after that. And then, um, cause girls like guitar players. Of course. Classic. It's the next, the, the natural progression there. Um, and then started playing bass last because everybody needed a bass player. And I was like, this is the fastest way for me to play with people, which was true. It was like, it started with Sam Palladino. I had a band with Sam Palladino in high school. That was like the first real band. Like we played shows, not just like high school talent shows or anything like that. It was like, no, we played it at some venues. You're at a venue here. Yeah. Yeah. People paid money to get in here. Um, But that was, that was right out of high school. I was either, yeah, I was like a senior freshman in college. Um, but they needed a bass player, and I had never played bass before, so I borrowed a bass and a bass amp from a, the church, and uh, yeah, I started playing bass. I never really looked back. So what was the kind of music that you were playing? Okay, so yeah, that first band, uh, that it was kind of what was popular with college kids at the time, which was like a healthy mix of the Strokes, and early vampire weekend and real indie rock stuff. Um yeah, but like the not the not the not the Midwest like chill indie, but like the okay. the New York um not punk but like I don't know. You know what I mean? There's an attitude there. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's almost like a little bit of the British like Arctic Monkeys, early Arctic Monkeys kind of thing where it's like grimy and like 
Franz Ferdinand is like not okay. far off from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like There's a lot of riff. Yeah, and like the attitude and mm. uh, a different kind of attitude. But yeah, well, a lot of that with you know some Americana, your typical okay college folk Americana influence every now and then. But yeah. So it was a lot of that, and it, so rock was really the where the collaboration started with people. I think even since then, you could probably point to a lot of opportunity and growth by being someone who's a bassist. Like that's for sure. That's well, always been like a a fast track to like, well, I'm needed. Yeah, you. I think you're not really aware unless you're a bass player. But you have, like, a cool amount of control over the song. The whole thing. The whole thing. Absolutely. Like, the slightest adjustment in how I play changes the entire feel of a song. Like, you can take it from a straight, like, just two and four, we're Mm -hmm. pushing rock music to, like, a swing groove to, like, a shuffle just with, like, the way that I play the first yeah. couple of times I heard you play with Alicia with Nightingale, I definitely did not, like, I, I walked away really impressed, had a really great time. It sounded incredible, but I also couldn't quite put a genre on it. Mm. You know, it's some singer songwriter, it's this, it's that, but it, it, there was always the fun this. Of that for me, yeah. Yeah, it just, it keeps shifting in a really organic way and you just have all these great rhythms um, and you, you do feel like, oh, there's a groove here and I never quite know how to put my finger on it. And mm. I feel like you've done a really good job of, um, I don't, I don't think commanding is the right way, but like inserting yourself into the arrangement, mm. into the orchestration, into the experience of what is the, like, there's the spirit of the song. Mm-hmm. Maybe you wrote it, maybe you didn't write it, but there, right. there's the spirit of the song, and you are leaning into maybe um, this could go a couple different directions, but really leaning into how is this song going to affect me as a as a listener mm-hmm. experiencing the song? There's just so much play that you have with that, um, and I feel like is arrangement something that you really enjoy yeah absolutely um thank you for saying that though i mean it's always it's always nice to know that those things get noticed the the fun thing about nightingale in particular is that we all kind of have an understanding of how the the emotions of a song like we all we all seem to get on the page mm-hmm. on the same page um pretty easily and we trust each other to bring our specific thing or influence uh hmm. to the table which is really fun because we all have our our things that we like and they're very different um yeah. like me and Chase working on something without Alicia turns into something entirely different. Absolutely left field. Different ballpark. Me and Alicia working on something together turns out 
entirely different from me, Legion, and Chase working on something. Um, and then, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's, but it's fun that way. Um, and hmm. we trust each other and it's, and it's, it's, it's never like, well, I don't know if their part's going to be good enough or, hmm. you know, they usually don't have that. Um, everybody's very good at what they do, but I absolutely love arranging. That's for sure. One of my, my, uh, favorite parts of the songwriting process is the, the, the pathways, the footsteps that you take to get where you're going towards the end of the song. You know, I was the journey. That's the fun part. Yeah. Makes me think about that Herbie Hancock. Yeah, exactly. That's why that song's so fun, man. The arrangement is so good. So if you're, if you're listening to this and, um, honestly, this is pretty deep into intro, but (laughs) there was a, there was a day when Joel and I were listening to a song and he's like, I got to show you this Herbie Hancock song. And we're standing in my studio and he, you know, starts playing this, this jazz tune that, I mean, is it, is it 12 minutes long? It, yeah, it's got, it's, it's at least we're double digits. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole time he's, Joel is, is listening to it with me and he's animating himself like, all right, here we go. Uh, and as the song progresses, he's just illustrating that it, you know, we're, all right, we're, uh, we're just going to go on a little hike here. We're just going, <laughs> nope, 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 not quite there yet. Let's just keep going. And, and around the bend, and the, the song just keeps churning and growing, and he's hiking along with us, and the orchestration's incredible because it takes you on a journey, but it also, yeah. like, inserts humor into it. Like, oh, yeah, nope, just it's around the bend. It's got a lot of callbacks. Nope, the other one. It's, got yeah. a lot of, it's got a lot of fun callbacks, but they're done in a way that makes you think of, like, wait, we were just there. yeah. It's it's really like, clever. We went it's really clever. I love we it. went ten miles out of the way to to like oh look that's just where we started. Like, yeah, we went by the a end of the super thing, long yeah. loop. And we're like we're back here again. Yeah, that's, um, that's that's the joke for me with that song is like it's twelve minutes long and you start it and it's like somebody somebody describing this like really beautiful view and like taking you on this kind of like roundabout journey to get there and it's like. Man, I feel like we could have just like walked straight up that way and like shaved off a few minutes. He's like, "No, just stick with me, man. Just stick with me." It's I'm telling you, we're almost here, and it's like, man, you finally get there. It's like minute number ten. It's like, yes, we are at the peak of this mountain. You're right. This was totally worth it. Thank you. And then you turn around and you look, There's and the you're car. like, There's fifteen the car. steps away from where you parked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. I was thinking about your music and the way that you've gone about your musical life. And I was just walking around at the office yesterday, today, thinking about our conversation. And I was enjoying the fact that um, there's a there's a real two-sided coin that I've noticed in your... Um, in your musicality and like the Herbie Hancock song, that's so weird. And in a lot of ways it's challenging and it focuses you and it like it energizes you mm-hmm. at the same time, but you love these weird 
challenging kind of progressive and fun off the beaten path musical choices and um, the way that the other side of that coin is that you also bring such structure and Mm -hmm. arrangement and organization Mm -hmm. to the music that you're in. Yeah. And it's so interesting seeing both sides of that coin where is this a wonky idea that turns the song into what it needs to be? Yeah. Is this a really, um, like you have to, you have to be patient with this. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like there's, there's that part of you, but then there's also just the, all right, let's find out what works. Let's put it together. Let's orchestrate this. Let's arrange this. Yeah. And I haven't been part of that conversation, but I imagine that both of those go back and forth. For sure. And more often than not, that's probably why I don't release music (laughs) (laughs) as much as I I should is because of that, that, that sort of uh, Mm. struggle, that internal battle. That's why it's easier for you to play with other bands and oh, that's be productive than being like yeah. i have to make all the decisions here yeah absolutely that's kind of yeah it's part of why i've been enjoying getting into production more than like trying to create from scratch on my own all the time because I, I don't always have that energy that's a lot of energy that's a lot of energy some people have more of that energy than others but um song wise especially for me because I hate feeling like I do the same thing more than once. It's another one of those like weird perfectionism things that I've got in my head all the times. Uh, but, do you mean like in a song or do you mean like I'm, I used a trick on a song a on song yes. B I'm going to do something completely different. Correct. Or like I've already used this, maybe it was in a different key, but I've already used this progression in another mm. song. Like, yeah. I can't let myself get past those types of things. So then it just makes me not want to do it, (laughs) which is really unfortunate. But, Hmm. um, yeah. So I think that conversation probably starts with your original point, which was, uh, connecting with people. Yeah. Because, yeah. Those are the things, the weird, some of the challenging stuff is the stuff that I like, but I can't connect with people. I can't connect with a a lot of people about that. You know, it's cool when you can find those people. Like, I'm glad that I have you, that we can share those kinds of things together. But the Herbie Hancock. Yeah. The Herbie, well, the Herbie Hancock, the, um, the, uh, another good example I'm sure I probably told you to listen to that last Earl Sweatshirt record. Yeah. Yep. Super challenging to listen to. Yes. But it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it rules. But that's not going to connect with a lot of people, you know? So the other side of that coin for me is that uh, I one of the good things I got from my dad uh, musically speaking, was his love of the Beatles. So Paul McCartney's one of my, if not my favorite, bass players and songwriters. Yeah. Um, and you were... So that is that is kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy, I guess. The, I do like the avant-garde and the 12-minute song, but Paul McCartney doesn't really do those. He's known for the, like, the well-packaged... Um, well, it gets where it's going. 
Yeah, yeah. but they're good arrangements. They're fun arrangements. That's what I like about him is because you've got this stuff like Admiral Halsey, mm. uh, where it's like halfway through the song, it flips into an entirely different song, but it makes sense. And it got yeah, you somewhere. Gets me every time. Yeah. Gets cool. me every time. Hmm. But I do think about that a lot. Uh, but that's that's I think that's kind of what it comes down to is because I I know that I want to create with the intention to connect and share. Uh, and that's and I I kind of have that in my mind when I think of arrangements and hmm. and all that. Yeah, I was thinking about you know this this podcast is just a lot of exploration of what does art accomplish? What is the purpose of creating art? What do we do with the fact that we are a consciousness in a body trying to express things mm-hmm. and how similar maybe the places are in those songs to the places that, you know, I hope some of my art lands you some photography can take you wild places that even though you're taking a photo of something that's real, like you're mm-hmm. expressing something that's inside of you and, and rich, l- truly leveraging what's in front of you. Um, and how many different mediums there are of expression and how we can, like, it would be fun to somehow make a parallel of this to this to this, which is what I assume artists musicians want when they pick album covers Mm -hmm. you know what is a visual parallel to this body of audio yeah yeah what's gonna help me get my point across (laughs) i think talking about how like music is a vehicle for you painting is a vehicle for me yeah like a camera is a vehicle for someone right dance poetry all of these avenues of expression mm-hmm. in just drastically different ways. Like they are as different as that, like the corners of our consciousness, the corners of how we are experiencing the world. There are so many avenues of expression and mm-hmm. trying to create what we hope is beautiful in some way. I think that it's just innate in us to be like, I feel the need for beauty here. Yeah. And, you know, playing the guitar tickles your ears. For sure. Visual art. Like, I I get, I don't know. Sometimes when I'm working on a painting, I think that literally the only point of me doing this is just to move color around so I'm in awe of, like, what color can do to us. Mm-hmm. And that it, that's enough. Yeah. I think it's the same with, with music, like, um, also this week I've been listening to the goat rodeo sessions, you know, the Stuart Duncan, Edgar Meyer, uh, Yo-Yo Ma and Chris Thiele as like oh, a super group, right, right, doing right, a bunch right, of like right. somewhat classical, somewhat bluegrass, somewhat folky, incredible yeah. arrangements. Yeah. Um, and all the savants of their, the their savants truly their incredible. And it doesn't really, like, it doesn't have to take me anywhere incredibly profound for it to be 
incredibly human. Yeah. And they have names that just make no sense. They're selling jokes. And it's, right. I love that they're able to, it's not lowbrow, it's not highbrow. It's like, well, we're just really intentionally trying to create something beautiful here. Yeah. I was, I was having a, a conversation, uh, with Jax when she came through the other day. Yeah. Uh, about the stuff that I connect with the most. We're talking about reasons why we don't connect with things and the reason why we do connect with things. Hmm. And I was trying to pinpoint why some newer releases from some artists that I've generally liked um, haven't landed with me. Sure. Part of it comes back to... I don't want it to sound like shit talking because I feel like it comes across that way, but I might be overthinking it. But uh, some it's it's like a, a an attempt at relevancy, I guess, with a younger group that doesn't include me. Hmm. And the stuff that I do connect with is the stuff that feels just like uh, an honest representation of some stuff I did. Like, not the stuff that, like, I'm trying to do that I know is going to stick with people or, like, choosing specific directions to go with something because I know it's it's that particular type of music is popular now or those particular production styles are popular now or... You're saying not going with them yeah, for that reason? Yeah, yeah. And, and this, I, I, that stuff doesn't land with me. For instance, like... Some of James Blake, James Blake's, James Blake, newer stuff, um, kind of has ventured away from the more freeform stuff that he's done in the past, and it's got some like production stuff that I just don't really care for. It's just not my bag, you know. Yeah, but we, like that's that's yeah. like what newer stuff coming out is sounding like, though, you know. Rather than like, man, just do you like. Mm keep doing what you were doing. Yeah, we've talked about his track when the car beside you moves ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. That's it's a wild track. I had not heard anything that hits so directly. Yeah. That vein. Yeah. Is when I heard that song and I was just blown away like I feel like I am feeling motion of being the car seeing shifting back and forth and like I just feel moved yeah. along. Man, and he's made something. He and, and Justin Vernon have a a way of taking these like heavily computerized and processed mm. sounds, but making the performance still feel human and like feel organic. Yeah, like for something that's so heavily like chopped up and like squeezed and all this stuff in a computer, it still feels like just a dude pushing some buttons, you know, and like making it happen. Um, That's how I felt about 22 a million. I'm glad that you brought up Justin Vernon. I remember reading the credits when it first came out. And this was, this is funny because we weren't even living in this house when it came out. It was like Mm. four years ago or something. Yeah. Maybe more over here. Yeah. But there's so many credits. He he thinks this person for this clip and this clip and this clip and you can 
I think there was an entire write-up about, all right, here's a list of the samples per song on the entire album. Mm -hmm. And like, that was a document in itself. Right. (laughs) And yet you feel deeply moved on a level where you're like, oh, thank you for reminding me that that's inside of me. For sure. That's how I feel when I listen to a lot of his music. See, the funny, that's the funny thing about his stuff. Uh, It's a nice case study, in my opinion, because I couldn't tell you most of the words that that dude says but it doesn't matter I know. because he's so <laughs> he's so good at communicating feelings through the vibe and the arrangement and the the chord choices of the songs and like the dynamics especially like all of those are so dynamic they have like big ups and low downs and like yeah yeah it's great I love that about his stuff. And I love that he doesn't feel the need to linger like when he arrives at a musical point. Um, there's some song where he, the, the beat finally comes in and you're like, oh, there it is. I feel so good that you resolved this like three minute long mm-hmm. thing. But then he doesn't jam there. You expect him to like let you swim in it for a while. He doesn't. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, look at over here. And he's already like looking at the next mountain peak. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, holy moly, I didn't even like Yeah. Alright, so the view's the view's alright from up here. Right. Um the I think the poster child for singing, not understanding the words and conveying something deep. We've talked about this before. I love Sigaros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to oh, the point yeah. where like Oh yeah. I think you've confronted me and said you know that's like <laughs> we need to talk about this that, that's like inya right yeah. like that's <laughs> I, I don't millennial I that inya I, I don't know if i did i say that I, yes. I, that. <laughs> I have very i have very fond memories of uh of Sigaros. maybe you love inya more than i thought yeah well yeah honestly honestly <laughs> right I, I feel like i remember my dad blasting some inya on like a new sound system he got or something Health, you can attest it. That's what I'm saying. I need to check those subtleties. It's it's 1998, and uh, I have a subwoofer for the first time in my life. What are we gonna play? <laughs> Inya, <laughs> an ELP. So one of my favorite things about music and connecting with people over music is how songs, songs that you know. Uh, bring up specific memories. Like you can usually remember exactly where you were at and what you were doing. Yeah. If it's a song that, that you connect with, Yeah. you know? Um, so for instance, <laughs> every, when, when you, I hope my family can never listen to this. Uh, you, you talk about Seeger Ross immediately brings up mem- vivid memories of the first time that I smoked out of a volcano and like laid down on the carpet in the middle of of this dude's room and like fell asleep and like just didn't move he just left it going and i just fell asleep laying on my back didn't move for hours and Uh, then and then parentheses ended and you woke up (laughs) yeah yeah and then you know talking about inya i have very vivid memories of my dad blasting that in our uh music room slash computer room so we had a a gateway 
back on gateways. The uh, black and white cow spots. Absolutely. We had one. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And he had a little sound system in there. I'm just blasting it. Blasting it. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I honestly never knew what the name of that album or what that song was. But then I scrolled on Spotify and saw the cover and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's it. And then the first song was just like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you oh, are man. seven years old. That's amazing. Yeah. What kind of other music did your family play around the house? My dad was a... Or was it just an Inya only? Home? Yeah, Inya only. My dad was a <laughs> classic rock guy. You mentioned the Beatles. Beatles are his favorite band, but he, yeah, I mean, anything from... He's a, an, an aficionado uh, of anything from, like, the probably 50s, definitely 60s, until, you know the 90s i guess wow he stayed with it of of the like the people who were like established not Mm -hmm. like new people from the 90s or anything like that but like anybody who was established and kept making music through the 90s it's a long range of time to still be investing in exploring new music that's his thing though it's really funny he Hmm. hasn't been working for a while he's been been retired for a while uh and so in his free time, he's been exploring new music. So I remember going and visiting him once, and he was talking about how he was listening to Black Sabbath. And I was like, nice. He's like, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm trying to do some Metallica too. And I was like, well, that's awesome. Pushing it for me, but you got it, man. Respect. Man. Yeah, so I try to I try to send him some stuff that I think he'll think is oh, yeah? interesting every now and then. What kind of stuff do you send your dad? Um, man, what have I sent him? He he hasn't been into jazz for that long, so we're both still kind of new. Okay. In that area, I guess, as far as like knowing what stuff is, like yeah. we're familiar with like if you know something you've heard you whatever but uh so we'll we'll share those back and forth so i i sent him um what's her name um alice coltrane uh, oh nice alice coltrane record nice. that i was obsessed with for yeah a bit. uh he's pretty into that i think it's when you know jazz musicians and you're like oh you like so and so have you heard their session with so and so? Yeah, or their other oh, session. That bass like, player, yeah, he played on this other thing or that. My that my favorite guy. thing is is this person on this record playing yeah. with this accompanist. Like, man, jazz people, is like the, it's a deep uh, hole, man. That's like the 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 connectivity community. Like, that's the genre for community and like connectivity for sure. Because it was all about collaboration. It was all about like it's wanna, all collaboration. I want to sit in a room and communicate via instruments with these people like in real important. time in real time. And we're going to do it interpreting each yeah. other. Yeah. That's fascinating. And I want to do it with a whole new set of people, but I like these people. So some of these people are going to stay around, but I, I remember one of the first times in like, I, I can say that I like jazz. You like jazz. You like jazz, <laughs> but it's such a, a new depth of, of water. 
you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I well, feel it's got a, even yeah. jazz itself has like a whole spectrum of subgenres. I mean, yeah, you got as many things as you do in any other genre. As many you have in rock, you have that many or more in jazz, you know, which is overwhelming because I I feel like I've spent years in like exploring different genres within rock you mm. know, from when I was in high school and had terrible taste and then just other <laughs> just right. just all these different genres and you're like oh yeah cool that was that was a swimming pool here's a lake called jazz yeah. with as many right other and there's some with... pretty long ass fish yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're long and weird <laughs> um mentioning musicians and community and collaboration i don't know why i stumbled upon kenny burrell several years ago love his guitar work and then I was like piecing together that, oh, you guys were contemporaries and you guys collaborated and you two played together. And I found an album of Coltrane and Burrell. Oh, and I was wow. like, I know both of those names. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It, I mean, it's a fantastic record, but that was a really specific example of like, I'm learning it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to become familiar with who's involved and then seeing like, you don't, you know, I was, I was, it just just seeing how people can can be contemporaries that you don't necessarily associate with each other directly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about classical music and how it is so easy to say, well, I don't like so-and-so composer, but I do like this person, when there's like 150 years between them. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, well, those are... A lot happened. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like... That's like comp- comparing the monkeys to Metallica and yeah. saying, well, I like this. Well, those are genres later. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot changed technology. The technology for the instruments changed. The instruments themselves changed, you know, a lot, a lot happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was pretty funny. I feel like some of my favorite conversations and, and a lot of my fond memories of talking to people, having conversations with people face to face, which feels like a rarity these days is there's a, some, there's some scale of how good that conversation was based on how far it diverged from our original Mm. conversation. Like how many different topics did we stumble upon and then connect over and just, it just keeps evolving. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. It is. Um, it's a lot like music it's one of the things I like about music in what way is seeing you've got your you start with your riff you got your main riff which you show up to with practice Mm -hmm. like hey guys I've got a riff I got an idea for a song this is kind of how it's all I got but I got this riff this is it and it's like alright let's see how many uh, conversation turns we can take from there it's funny that you mention it like that. Um, I think about I think about art a lot as a conversation. I think about the process of making it as a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about playing with, does this idea communicate and can you communicate back to it? Like, can you talk to each other musically? Yeah. I think about that when I make art, when I'm painting, when I'm messing around with trying to just 
create an unruly mess on a canvas. Like this is, this is the environment we're going to, we're going to just spread out and see what happens. Let's just sprawl out for a while. And it, it feels like a conversation between the idea of like, Oh, what will this do? Mm -hmm. Where will this go? Mm -hmm. If I allow myself more, just more looseness, more approachability between me and the medium that we, we end up in really unexpected, but deeper places. Like I want that. I mean, I've had that experience looking at art that I haven't made being in a gallery or a museum or something and Mm -hmm. looking at a painting and being like, I didn't expect to feel this thing today. Right. But I do. Right. Right. I mean, I think that we attribute a lot of where music takes us with lyrics, like, oh, it talks about this. But lyrics aside, I mean, we were talking about the Herbie Hancock and talking about whatever other, like, jazz musician combo trio that takes us on some sort of journey where we feel something through sound that affects us in not just an emotional way, but like a a place that it'll trigger memory. For sure. For sure. We'll feel a little bit more aware of ourselves. Yeah. And that's weird. Because it's like, why do I remember this? around this time when I was listening to this song? Like, why is it that this thing... I have a lot of memories with specific songs, but why does a specific memory hit me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And just the the fact that... I know that it's not the the sense... I think it's smell that does it the strongest, Mm -hmm. but... Which, I don't... Why smell? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting thinking about... There are sound waves that make me reconsider my surroundings in a, in a real way. Yeah. You know, we hear things, we connect with people, we expand our, like our relationship is deepened through the act of creating the act of, of making music. You are more you mm-hmm. when you're, when you're playing music and, and relating to other musicians and on stage, I I've seen you and had moments of getting to experience and enjoy Joel more mm-hmm. by you leaning into something that is part of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say that you were made to be a bass player, but no, part but it's, of who you are. It's a, it's an honest expression. And I think that's, yeah. that's kind of gets back to the, the stuff that I feel like I connect with the most is the stuff that feels like, uh, you can tell in the performance that it's that, that that's something that like that's from you. Yeah. You know? That's not something that you heard or somebody told you that's you. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a that's an original thought. Um and those are hard to have these days. But um yeah, that's that's the stuff that I connect with the most is when it feels like a an honest performance even with visual art, like that's what I love about your stuff is because it feels like an honest representation of what you were feeling at that time, which is one of the fun things I like about Hmm. your work is like trying to like, Hmm, 
what was going on right here when he was mm. doing this? What was he feeling when he did this? Cause it's like the color choices and like the types of brush strokes or the type of, uh, medium that you use, like all that goes into it. Like same, same for me, like yeah. on yeah. days that I feel, uh, like I can communicate better. I'm probably going to try to write something on piano because I can mm. play a bunch of notes and like express more things. Um, bass is easy because you do have a lot of control and responsibility for a song, but like, man, I just got to feel it like yeah. more, more important than the notes that I'm playing is the rhythm and how I'm playing them. And like, if I can just feel like if all I got to do is feel and not really like articulate too much other than just the feeling, yes, that's my, that's my like safe place, you know? Yeah. Like I don't have to talk too much. Like I, I can say enough and be effective enough and still have fun and get my point across without like having to say too much. Hmm. And you feel like bass does that for you easily. For sure. For sure. You can groove. You can kind of lean into where the beat is. Mm -hmm. It's especially, especially fun with the Nightingale stuff because we're, piano is technically a rhythm instrument. Like it's, it's hammers on strings. So we're technically three rhythm instruments and a vocal and vocals. And then like, she plays some guitar, but guitar is not like the feature, you know? So it's very rhythmical and very like the dynamics and the, the groove of the song are kind of where the, what the journey is, you know, yeah. it's the path that you're following is like the groove shifts and changes. And I mean, your song cry in time, which is one of my favorites that you guys perform is it's all groove. I just feel it inside of my body when I'm like hearing you play it. It's such a fun story too. Like if you, Alicia, her lyrics on that, that tune are, are fun. She's such a good storyteller. Mm. Uh, but that one in particular, it shines for sure. But that song, yeah, it's so fun. It's, it's the, the backbeat and like, yeah, it's, it's great. And the bass on that song is interesting too because it has a bit of a like they all contribute to the story. Mm-hmm. Her lyrics are great. Chase, beginning with being a rhythm, mm-hmm. there's melody there. Oh, yeah. But it's so interesting that both of you are so melodic, but so, um, like, so different in the colors mm. of the song. There are so many different points where you know this part may be a brighter shade of that color but mm-hmm. there's a, a a sense of all of you are kind of on your own mm. and um, it's fun to experience how it it is so rhythmic it is so um i don't know the what, what you were saying earlier yeah really um yeah it's fun. Oh, I yeah. know, I know. Uh, I was going to go somewhere with it. Conversation's hard when you just feel like you got to... Lay down on the floor. Keep it, keep it going. <laughs> no, don't worry. Yeah, you know. Don't worry. Um, 
and now that, that was another thing I was thinking about was that I don't want this to feel like it has to be perfect answers, perfect questions, perfect conversation where if we're trying to highlight in all of these conversations, the humanity of relating to each other, because that's yeah. what a lot of what we're trying to talk about is the, the sameness mm-hmm. of creativity and how unifying that expression is and how we can find each other that way if it may be hard for us to use words. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a lot of why we make what we make and we try to do what we do is that being a person is awkward enough. Mm -hmm. This is something that has spoken to me and I appreciated you mentioning that you're trying to figure out where I was coming from when I have a painting. Cause you look at it and you're like, okay, well, where do, where do I start with that? And then I mean, yeah. maybe that's a fun starting place. But, um, a lot of times it, the paintings that I feel were strongest were ones that maybe I didn't care about initially that I was like, I don't care if this is necessarily framed even, or mm-hmm. someone wants this is this like, I'm just going to mess this one up. Yeah. I'm just going to mess this one up. This one's going to be a process. Yeah. And sometimes it's the other way around the painting. That painting becomes the one that I'm like, this spoke truly, man. That's one of the things that's been, uh, that I've kind of ties into to what I've been trying to come back to, uh, over the last year. Cause it's, it's been a down year for a lot of people. I haven't felt as creative as, uh, sure. I would have liked to have been as I feel most people have, but thinking back to younger years and what sparked, um, wanting to play music in the first place was kind of not knowing what it was or what anything was called or how to do anything Mm -hmm. and just kind of making noise or not caring if anybody sees it or not. I just, I'm, I'm figuring it out. Like, I'm figuring something out about music and I'm figuring something out about myself and what I like about music from this. And you find out how you learn. Yeah. Not understanding. I think we all assume like, well, you went through grade school. You must know how to learn. Yeah. And knowing how to learn, not just learn about yourself, but how do I understand and comprehend and then embody the knowledge? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to figure all of that out, and I but, think, but that's one of the inspiring things, though, is 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 kind of there's not any rules. Like, I don't really know anything. Like, I might have I I think I know the things that I know and the things that are working for me right now. But there's so many things that I don't know mm-hmm. that I can just try. Like, I can just try. Like, I need to stop thinking inside of my my box of tricks that I know and go back to the feeling of I don't really know what I'm doing, but I like these feelings and the the way that these sounds make me feel, you know? Yeah, going back to what works. Yeah. I mean it's easy also to listen to the stuff that you've done and think, well, this is who I am as a musician. Mm-hmm. Or I look at the stuff that I painted, I'm like, well, that's what Kevin looks like as a as an artist. Yeah instead of then allowing yourself to surprise yourself through mistakes. Right. 
I mean, that's all it is. That's all it's ever yeah. going to be. Man, I went back and listened to some like random demos I did uh, two years ago, two or three years ago. There was like a six or seven month period where I was trying to like start an idea every day and just see how far it goes. And so I have like a relatively long big folder of like just random stuff. Uh, but I was going back through that and listening to it and it's funny like seeing how much even I've changed mm. since then. Sure. Since two years ago. It's just like all of these things it's like man all this stuff is so slow. Like was I sad? I think I was sad. I think I was figuring stuff out. Mm. It's all so slow. That's really interesting. Uh, or like man my the pocket is just so different on some of these. Like I the rhythm's weird. I, I don't know. It's just interesting. But I'm sure it's the same way for you in painting. Like you can go back and look at older stuff and be like, wow, I was just in a different place when I did that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think no matter what it is, if you stick at it long enough and then you do any sort of like retrospective, you're going to be like, oh man, it's... That's that's the important part of doing a lot of work. Yeah. Not only do you grow, but then you you realize I was able to articulate through this thing in this defined amount of time. Mm-hmm. We talked recently about a painting that I did and you were talking about how it felt like sunshine on a on a spring day. <laughs> and yeah. that was such a nice, kind, generous description and the thing that that you weren't sure of was when I painted it Uh you thought I had just done it recently yeah I didn't mention it I I had thought that uh, because I thought you had recently done it but I did it you know closer now to two years ago Mm -hmm. which feels like an eternity in my mind right where I have to learn how to like relate to it again and realize that it still speaks to the present tense for sure Man, that's so hard as a musician too, because I get that. If you have any success or popularity and you keep playing tunes, people want you to play the older stuff. Mm. You know? It's like, oh man, okay, well, I wrote that song ten years ago. Uh doesn't really do it for me anymore, are you sure? <laughs> we saw Damien Rice a few years ago and um, it was funny because my relationship to his music now is the same as his relationship to it <laughs> now. <laughs> right. Because he gets on stage and he's he has a great sense of humor and he's like, well, here's a really sad song I wrote like 15 years ago. Hope you, hope you, hope yeah. you enjoy it. I'm not it. really sad anymore, but uh, here it is anyways. And but, you know, people relate to it still. A good song is a good song. That's another thing. I was talking to somebody at... Uh, at work um, about John Denver randomly. I, I had to play a long story. A John Denver uh, Country Roads, obviously. Uh, country Roads in a foreign country and uh, they knew all of the words and didn't even know that he had died. Oh my goodness. Um, but the, uh, but I, it just made, made me realize that a good song is a good song. Yeah. And it'll last for forever i mean hell we were talking about old lang syne at dinner earlier it's like, yeah that's a poem that's how many hundreds of years old you know we're still we're still going at that one 
a good written or a good piece of art is a good piece of art. To go back to Paul McCartney, I didn't listen to a lot of the Beatles, like really listen until I was in my, my mid twenties and hearing just the, the musicianship obviously, but there's like, there's a body of work that represents a period of time in a group of individuals' lives. And it all happened so fast. Man, they were in their 20s. And we see these, like, there's the era yeah. of Sgt. Pepper's. There's yeah. the era of the White Album. There's the era of Revolver. And, like, sure, but, like, those happened literally closer to months apart than, For sure. than years apart. For sure. And so to so concisely capture a period of existence, like, this is a representation of we're going to try what works. Yeah. All in. Yeah. Right here. And so you have these months. Right. Um, just, it's, it's fascinating trying to, to follow, if I'm going to be all in, if I'm going to give it all of the restlessness inside of me, mm-hmm. how am I going to not worry about the one piece, but does this 20 pieces speak to the truth that I wanted. It's too much pressure for a single piece or a single song necessarily to, to have it. But like I'm working on this body of work. Like, like last year I, we all went back and forth with this sense of, I feel overwhelmed to create it's 2020. Right. We have all this time, but, but we have all this time. Yeah. What am I doing if I'm not creating? And I would go through bursts where I'd paint a lot and then I wouldn't paint at all. Yeah. And it, it's interesting looking at, well, this is the truth teller. The, the body of work is able to represent the things that maybe I, I was not sure of. We started earlier talking about giving it you know, your best effort mm-hmm. and how just showing up and saying, I'm going to do whatever it is here to the, like whatever Best of my ability. Yeah, best of my Whatever ability, but like, all right, there. how many components are there? How excellent can we be at all of them? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in songwriting, that's kind of the wheelhouse. Yeah. There's not just melodic or, or lyrical, but we talked about your strength as someone who can really pull messy pieces together. And that is also an aspect of the songwriting body you know mm-hmm. the, the arranging sure. and all of that for sure um the cohesiveness of it because i mean especially for the stuff that i like you know if, if a song's going to be five minutes you want to make sure somebody's going to listen for the full five minutes and not skip three minutes into it yeah do we need to rearrange the sentence is the punctuation correct do we need to split these thoughts yeah or like, is somebody it, bored already yeah like, yeah, yeah. All, all of that all of that because that's yeah that's the tricky thing about songs is that yeah you do kind of have to keep somebody's attention for or they'll they'll, they'll miss the point you know (laughs) like gotta make sure that you you can you can uh, hold their attention for long enough this is steering back to art but the um, the anxiety of entry the blocks to entering into the work, the beginning steps 
of how do I dive in mm-hmm. and um, I don't want to I don't want to to make it derivative as the the blank page scenario mm-hmm. but these whole barriers to entry when we're trying to get our creative selves to speak yeah which is a weird concept but it's true like we talk about when you are in a creative flow state and you see some things falling together you feel like whatever it is that you're working in if you're playing piano if i'm drawing or something Mm -hmm. and you just feel like you're able to move within that voice and see connections and dots dots appearing that are next steps and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um I have a lot of anxiety about that as an artist. I have a lot of trouble kickstarting it, which is why most of my paintings are messy because I'm trying to just force myself to be less inhibited yeah. on the canvas when I'm drawing, when I'm making stuff. I I like to think that I'm I'm stepping outside of it and and contemplating it and considering it in between a lot of frenzied motion, but when I'm directly physical interacting with the paper with the canvas with the paint whatever mm-hmm. i'm i'm trying to not consider my emotions as much i'm trying to simply allow you know the the physical act of connecting with my instrument yeah connecting with the paper be this tangible bridge of of a subconscious thing you know and i feel like there's a lot of of theory that you can study that can make you a stronger artist and musician and leverage these things more effectively. Cause you can see yeah. the conversation you can see what's going on. Yeah. But I think it's also difficult to engage on theory alone and still connect to these deeper human parts of us unless you're yeah. being a little bit messy at well, At first, I'm okay. just I'm just talking about how I approach things. I want I want it to yeah, have yeah, yeah. a little bit of. I don't want to, my first step, to be one of heavy consideration. Totally. Well, I think. Might be a bad analogy, or not to downplay anybody with a graduate degree, but it's the equivalent of, you can have a, a doctorate in, English and still not be a great communicator uh, or not be able to connect, connect with somebody. Like you can, you can know more about the English language and hmm. literary history, the greatest communicators in the world and still be a terrible communicator yourself. So I, I don't necessarily think that like extensive study is the right way or like, knowledge of technique or knowledge of your instrument is necessarily the the key to success. I really do think it comes down to being honest yeah. and in the most simple way, particularly for music. If it's not fun to play or if it's not fun for me to listen to, then I'm not going to do it. No fun, no deal. Exactly. Literally. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of a really simplistic way of thinking about it, but 
my goal every time that I create something is I want it to be something that I want to listen to. Yes. Yep. If I like I I'm the only person that I can trust. My opinion is the only one that I can trust. Like if I don't like it, who the who the hell else is gonna like it? But if I think it's fun, then maybe I can connect with somebody else who thinks it's fun. Um, we're sitting in my essentially garage attached to the house that is a art workspace, studio space, and on on the walls and on the easel next to us are um, four, three, four, five paintings. And this is, I, I mentioned that because there's a reason that these are the ones that I have hanging right now. I want to go back and sit and spend time with and talk with pieces of, I don't know if you want to call them art, but paintings that I've made um, and spend time with them and see like, is this something that, that speaks to me? Is this mm. something like, did I make this because I needed to think through something and learn something? Or is this something that speaks of its own voice and owned own merit and perspective? Is there a perspective inside mm. of this that um, is relevant? Yeah. And I think that's kind of the same idea of, I don't want, like I have, I have a stack of paintings back there and I don't want half of them to go to other homes because I don't really know if they're the most honest versions of themselves, that they are the most mm -hmm. like transparently vulnerable experiences, which is what I want a lot of my art to accomplish. Yeah, for sure. I get that. I have, I mean, anything that I do, even if there's like a random demo or something that I send you one day. Yeah. There's a good chance that I've already listened to that probably 50 times before I send it to you. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. I get that. And like that's just separate from like working on it, listening. That's like, I'm done with it. I'm putting it on my phone and I'm putting it on my headphones and it's on loop for however long. Yeah. I don't know if I like it yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was fun when I did it. Like I, I enjoyed when I did it, but I don't know if it's, if I like it. So I'm going to listen to it more and figure it out and see what needs to happen next. And even the stuff. So the, the, the bad friend release that I did. Yeah. Those songs are probably with the exception of one, all of the songs on that four song thing have like three other versions. even if those versions exist and you enjoy going back to them, mm. the version that you committed to putting into the world, I think conveys what you were hoping to convey. Obviously I can't speak for you. Yeah. I think I receive something mm. and I can go somewhere with them. Yeah. That's great. That's the goal. That's my goal is yeah. like, I try, I'm trying to like paint, vivid scenery as much as possible like I, I want to like the song start you put the headphones on close your eyes and you're where i want you to be when you're listening to it you know as soon as i put it on and i love listening to it when i'm driving it's great driving music we're listening we're talking about the bad friend ep four track that joel put out two years ago yeah 2019 i think i think you're right so maybe a year and a half ago i think you're right dates are fuzzy 
Dates are fuzzy. Um, really fun, very chill, very vibey. I put it on and I'm in the car and I'm driving. And as soon as I hit play, the whole thing comes back to mind where I remember like, oh yeah, there's this really great moment here. And oh yeah, that happens. And I'm, I'm just thinking back through the whole thing and I'm excited when I'm listening to it. That's awesome. I love that. Goals. And it's an environment. Like, they're not long songs, but I immediately am taken to a, a sense of place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's one of the other things I was talking to Jax about the other day, is that uh, figuring out what being a musician looks like now is very weird. It's very hard, especially if, like touring being my main thing I don't know what that's going to look like anytime soon um, but uh, I was talking to her I've always wanted to try to score things um, she seems so I just, it's like the other side of the coin of like painting the picture it's like okay nope the picture's already there how do I best support the feeling that's trying to be portrayed you know yeah. Like I get to be an accent to like the visual representation rather than like trying to completely manifest that I can just like support it. Uh, seems so fun. I, lo- I love that. Yeah. Like a trellis of, of some kind underneath this other thing. That's like For you're, sure. you're all supporting a building that's bigger than all of you. Yeah. 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 There are so many, there are so many movies that the movie was, was fine, but the music, you know, married with it. Man, the Phantom Thread soundtrack was beautiful. Like another character in the movie, you know. That was Johnny Greenwood, right? Yes, and uh, the bird. I was talking to Anna the other day. The Birdman soundtrack. I don't know who did that one. I'm I'm not sure either, but uh, it's phenomenal. Hmm. I need to listen to that. It just like it supports the the chaos of the the feeling of the the film. The whole movie feels real chaotic, right? Yep, I'm like on edge, kind of tense. It's, like, it's got those the drums, like the crazy like drums going the about, whole time, you know? Okay, yes, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how I felt about Good Time. Oh yeah, that there was a wow, synth. Yeah. Maybe it was the the guy who goes by one of tricks point never, but I think mm. the the whole synth track to that movie, there's just such an energy. Yeah. Two thousand one, a space odyssey soundtrack. Don't even get me started. I'm not. <laughs> that, that, that's what I wasn't doing. I was I was not getting you started. Yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> but I mean, truthfully though, I do. I really do love movie soundtracks. Think about your like my favorite. You know, you go. Like the Indiana Jones soundtrack, the Star Wars soundtrack, like so many yeah. thematic tunes and arrangements and stuff that just really support the movie so well and like what's happening and like I you can now hear that and like immediately place yourself in those moments in the movies. Like how do you not get excited every time the Indiana Jones 
Yeah, immediately in my head. Um, it's like, yeah. okay, we're Here we in are. the desert. I found some shit. <laughs> uh, somebody's chasing me, evidently. Let's get out of here. Bum, ba-dum, bum, bum. So, yeah. 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 Very anthemic. Totally. Yeah, I, I would love to do that, though. That's one of the things I... I'm going to try to practice. I'm going to try to find... I love that. Some random... Uh, random people on Vimeo or something like that. And like when I was in high school, especially my study music was all CDs of, of movie scores. Mm -hmm. That was just what I studied to. That's what I listened to. We had Spotify playlists, man. Years before. Yeah. Yeah. Spotify came out. Before our lives were curated. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, that's also for better or worse, why I'll never move to Apple music because I have literally yeah. 10 years of investment into Spotify's algorithm. Like, yeah. what's the point if we're going to dive into this deep internet web, you like why not about me then most of my friends yeah. do at this point, probably. Yeah. all those hard truths. You listen to what? I was having a hard day. Leave me alone. Sometimes you need screamo, man. Sometimes you need screamo. Yeah, sometimes you do need to be like, yeah, this uh, in in rush hour right now, mm-hmm. in COVID rush hour, which means me and three cars in the road. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Gotta yell about something. That's right. Yeah. Oh, Gotta yell about something. That's what the that's what the chariot is for. I had a I had several roommates who were really into the chariot, and I think I like if I, if we were going to go for like let's go pick up food or let's go on a trip or let's whatever it would yeah. always be their car and the chariot or <laughs> and whatever else it was going to be, yeah. and I caught myself being surprised at how much I I enjoyed it not because it was heavy, but within all of the chaos, all of these nuances emerged. Yeah. I think about listening to hardcore and metal kind of in the same way now, later, years later, I think about listening to really harsh noise, avant-garde, weird production stuff where it's like, this is not easy. Mm. But there's eventually going to be this sense of being so enveloped in sound that other things start to emerge and appear. Mm. And I love that point, that tipping point where you're like, I think I see through the cloud and the haze. Mm -hmm. Um, The album Aurora by Ben Frost, like there's so much static on that record. It's so dense and just being tense noise that three minutes later you start to hear all these layers just harmonize and you see everything kind of crystalline for a second. That's awesome. Yeah. And then it goes back and dissolves into noise and you're like, well, that was a harsh three minutes to get there, (laughs) but incredible to be like that. That must be something human. Yeah. That must be something uh, human that we're relating to. There's a, uh, uh, a producer D Sardi, Dave Sardi, he did, he's, I mean, he's famous for doing like, uh, Deftones and, uh, I'm pretty sure he did like that, that Jet album, the, the one that. Are you going to be my girl? Yeah, that one. Yeah. The big one, huge one. 
uh, he had a band, he had a band in the '90s called Bark Market. <laughs> so dope. Um, but it's he he has a lot of that like loose, grimy, chaotic distortion stuff. But he gets his point across really well, and it's a, such a fun vibe. Hmm. Man, the '90s are the '90s are the truth. The truth. You love soul coughing. I do love soul coughing. I feel like anytime that I've heard anyone who ever listens to this, that's a band from the 90s. That's. Look them up. Look them up. It's a fantastic Fantastic, title. Fantastic. Weird. I feel Uh, like they have come up in conversation whenever I've brought up Radiohead and how much mm, I've enjoyed a lot of their like their mid to late discography. Yeah. You know? So Radiohead for a lot of people was like the gateway to uh stranger music. Sure. Here's stuff that doesn't really make sense, you know, like, um, but it's still kind of accessible. Um, I had a bunch of friends that were into Radiohead. I've always been one of those dudes. I hate this about myself. If I have too many people telling me to do something, I'm not going to do it. So I refuse to get on the Radiohead hype train. I've since come to my ways. No worries. But uh, Soul Coughing was kind of that revelation band for me that was like, oh, I can pull from a number of different weird... Mm backgrounds and genres and stuff and uh groove hard so did you see that as like the lily pad that you jumped on to get to where other people got to via radiohead like uh, in a way in a way of where it was like it just made listening to weird noises okay mm. you know what i mean like strange samples and weird maybe weird time signatures or like vocals that don't really make sense, you know, like, um, yeah. Soul coughing, for example, it's a lot of the earlier stuff, especially sounds like somebody doing slam poetry over like, uh, a hip hop sample drums with like an upright bass and like weird samples in the background, you know, it's just kind of, kind of strange but like it still grooves really hard Mm. and like you feel the intent and the energy that's in it it's so it's got so much energy that's that's one of the things i love about it but um yeah it just it kind of made weird and and maybe uncomfortable noises uh accessible or comfortable or like more easily digestible is maybe the way to put it it's like Here's broccoli, but I'm gonna put soy sauce on it first. Like the first time you've had broccoli is at well, I mean, a, for a me, hibachi restaurant. You know what I mean? For me, it would be melted cheese because I need a real exactly. So you soften that ramp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like before I can I can get into something that's like just raw broccoli. Like give me something that has the broccoli with cheese, or you know. But I feel like that's what Radiohead was for people. Like they started out as like this, you know fairly typical for the time 90s band like this it was good like creeps cool high and dry is a great song like Fantastic. all that's that era of stuff is cool but it's more like straightforward of the times things 
And then, you know, they started getting into the weirder stuff, weirder time signatures and jazz chords and all the cool time signatures. But thinking about something like, sure, they're heady. Everyone yeah. acknowledges that they're a heady band, yeah. but they're also a fun band to listen to at the same time. For sure. I saw someone had written about how they were... Um, it's almost like they had set out to, to, to make a goal of how do we make difficult music easy to listen to? Mm, how do we make man, hard yeah. music fun to listen to? Mm-hmm. Or how do we make the most... Like, even if it's for our own benefit of challenge we need to be stimulated i mean that's part of the of like bridging those two sides of the coin that you're talking about earlier like the one side of me is like man i'm sure tom york i i did i actually know for a fact tom york loves weird long avant-garde pieces of music that have no structure whatsoever yeah totally into that so it absolutely is reasonable to think okay how do we take those ideas and make them accessible because those are a part of me. Those are what I like. Mm. Like to leave that out is like a fabrication of what I am, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, the need for innovation, yeah. right? The, the need for improvisation We're we're trying to create in real time here. And how do we carry that spirit? Mm-hmm. into something that has structure that yeah that people can relate to yeah because uh, it i mean at the end of the day especially with songs it's like you got you might need something that like resembles a hook might not have to be a chorus but you've got to have like yeah. a, a a melody of some kind or a moment of some kind that's like that grabs you you know that you can keep grabbing onto. It's like, okay, I'm floating around for a while in this long verse or bridge or whatever this is, but then I can like, oh, well, there's that, the float that I was holding on to, that melody, you know? Okay, here we are. I'm fine. We're good. I'll stick with it. Yeah, you can lean your arm on that and have some perspective. Yeah. I mean, that that takes me back to when we were talking about you finding some r- relaxing, safe spaces within playing bass and exploring mm, yeah. bass and how you can kind of hang your hat on the rhythm yeah. of the piece, whether it's drums or whatever. And you can kind of lean back on that and explore from there. Like how do you have these little anchor points within your creative process where you're like, I'm going to have, this may not be the, the end all be all, but I can kind of lean here for perspective for sure. And then speak out speak out when necessary yeah picking your spots and not trying to when it comes to music it's like you want to make sure that you're not talking over anybody else because i like that i think the i think the conversation analogy especially within recording like you can make anything happen these days but especially when it comes to a performance it's like well you don't want to step you don't want to speak over somebody else while they're talking. Otherwise, nobody's getting their point across, you know? So if you're both doing something at the same time, make sure it's in harmony. Make sure it goes. Make sure to like you're supporting the same idea. Which is why bands like Led Zeppelin and <laughs> Pearl Jam get huge. Riff bands, man. 
everything in unison. We're just everybody's doing the same thing at the same time. We're just going. I mean, I think there's something to be said for why we think about psych rock, psychedelic rock having like you gotta hit those toms, you mm. gotta have those riffs. Because you need something to lean into, right? Yeah. It's gonna like be a floaty on the pool that you can just <laughs> soak up the sun while laying on top of, right? Exactly. It wanted. It's about yeah. It's about the the momentum, but like not moving too fast, not moving too slow. We're just like at the right pace. Being in sync is interesting, though. I mean, I've seen that with the projects that you've worked in, and how, like you mentioned, Jacks. That's Jacks Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. When you were working with her, and was it a three piece at one point? Yeah, for most of the touring that we did, we toured as a three-piece, bass, drums, and her. Yeah? Yeah. Where she's just delivering. Just selling the shit out of whatever whatever it is. She's a... Powerhouse. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. a force. Were you just doing bass, or were you, you were doing some programming keys or... No, bass, and, control? bass and background vocals. Really? Okay. Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool to see such an intense unified delivery from small bands Mm -hmm. like bands of few members like i know there's complications with larger groups as well obviously but it's so interesting to see like you are so intensely on the same page Mm -hmm. it's the same with nightingale yeah well the yeah hilariously enough the same page is is just keeping up with her that's that was the challenge every night it was like Okay, well, we we know what we got to do, and it's just follow that, like keep up and match that energy because it was there every night. I think you've told me before that you really enjoy it when someone approaches you with a concept, and then you are able to flesh and arrange and how do we organize? Yeah, and man, I love that. Let's tie it all together. That's my favorite part. Yeah, That's my favorite part is like. Because, I mean, like I said earlier, it's the starting from scratch just takes so much energy. Yep. Um, man, I just haven't had that energy lately. So especially lately, it's been it's been wonderful anytime somebody's come up to me and like, I've got an idea for a song or I've got this whole song written out. What do you think? Where, why do I make it? How do I complete it? How do I make it work? How do I make sense of it? It's like, okay, let's start from the from the feeling and then like here we go let's just do it i love it you're really good at it and i really enjoyed seeing you work with sweet talker Mm, yeah that was fun you were able to help really great really fun really strong songs um obviously you know not alone but the contribution was tangible there was such a a specific life that you were able to contribute that um, songs would have been successful, but I enjoyed seeing the direction of influence that you had on you. on those tracks. Uh, sounded great. Tons of fun. You could feel a groove and you could feel like, oh, we're going different yeah. places here. Yeah. There, so I've, well, funny roundabout story speaking of the chariot and screamo and all that 
the I, I co-produced that record with Matt Goldman, who, yeah. yeah, you know, well well-known producer in that scene. Did all the Chariot stuff. Did all the a lot of the Undro stuff. A lot of the big things of that genre in time. Um, and the Ryan and David, the two singers songwriters with Sweet Talker, are very strong. Um, they they've got very strong ideas and. It was a, it was very easy to work with them and and kind of just establish the the scenery for those songs essentially. It's mm. like okay, we know this story, but how is what's the best way to articulate the picture that we're trying to portray? I mean, talking about the the Beatles influence, you know, yeah. all of a sudden, are there horns on one track? On yeah, several a tracks. Few, yeah, okay, a few for sure. Because it feels like you're decorating the scenery. You're exactly what you're saying. There are yeah. songs that are, like, they have the bones. Right, right. And then all of a sudden, like, they were taken outside for a walk. Yeah, for sure. And there's... Well, nobody wants to sit inside all day, you know? Not a song. Yeah. Songs don't want to do that. Definitely not. But it's fun to, to think about, like, you running around adding, like, potted plants and scenery and like <laughs> essentially yeah we're developing a sense and i don't know if it's like a sense of of place but there's there's so many more tactile things mm. that are going on that complete and fill out the body of work and you're kind of like an an auditory set designer i like yeah that's a funny way of putting it but i i love that the scripture uh, that feels very appropriate and kind of true to what I think production should be is like I'm not here to do your script rewrites they're not here to write and play your song you know like yeah if I if I think that you know you're you're mumbling your words or you're trying to say too many words at one time I'll let you know but for the most part it's yeah I, I want to I want to be the one to help you address it and like present it the way that you're trying to present it hmm. for sure I like that yeah it's all about communication yeah this has been fun it has been fun I really enjoyed this this has been great um, this was your one and only shot so we'll see uh, I need to I submit it the we'll, audition. And we'll see <laughs> Leave me a good Yelp review. <laughs> <laughs>